Hey there, welcome to the About Your Body podcast. I'm Rachel Holt, the founder and one woman show behind About Your Body. I'm a visual designer who has an ever-growing interest in the bio-female reproductive system. There is a lot of stigma surrounding the bio-female body, and I truly believe that to reclaim our bodies as our own, we need to understand how they work. I want to use my design skills to empower people, especially young girls, to learn all about how incredible their body is and what it can do. On this podcast, I'll be sharing real people's stories and bio-female experiences, as well as conducting interviews with healthcare professionals to break down the complexity of how the body works. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on stolen land, the land of the Gadigal people. I pay my utmost respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and their continuing connection to Australian land, sea and sky. Australia always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I'd also like to say that About Your Body was created as an initiative that stands for the rights of all people, including everybody who identifies as a woman, everybody who has or has had biofemale bodily characteristics, as well as intersex people, gender non-conforming people, and Indigenous sister girls and brother boys. Please be aware that this recording contains mention of sexual assault. Hey pals, welcome back to the latest About Your Body interview. I am so excited to bring you today's guest. She is a dear friend of mine and I really think you're going to find this conversation incredibly insightful. Today we're talking to Al Reardon, who is an electronic singer-songwriter. She's originally from Australia, but for the past few years she's lived in the US where she's made her singer-songwriter debut and is building her career. Uh, I wanted to warn you that this conversation is not easy. We are going to be talking mainly about her latest album, No, which surrounds the topic of her sexual assault while going to college in America. Uh, She created this entire album by herself. So we also talk about what it's like being a creative woman in business and all of the challenges that come with that. But this conversation does have a lot of sexual assault uh, mentioned in it. And I just wanted to let you know that before you listen at your own discretion, of course. It is a really interesting conversation. We talk about her healing and her strength and she's an incredible woman. And I really think you guys are gonna love her. Uh, Just letting you know, we had some internet problems. So the conversation is a little bit choppy, uh, but it makes sense overall. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this. And thank you so much for listening to another episode. Let's get into it. Hi, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's nice to see you. You're welcome. It's so nice to see you and I miss you. (laughs) I miss you too. (laughs) You look comfy in your home office there though. I am. Yeah, I like the lighting. It's very warm. It is. It's nice and warm. Is it freezing in America right now? (laughs) It's cold. Yeah. Yeah, I can't go outside. I was sitting out earlier today with an iced coffee and my fingers were so cold. Why the iced coffee though? (laughs) Uh, It was a lavender latte. It was so nice. (laughs) Went bougie. It was great. That that is very bougie. Well, it's like 11 a.m. here now and I've got the air con on and I've had it on since nine. It's that hot. Oh, because it's so hot. Well, would you like to start by telling people a little bit about what you do and then I'll just get into some questions? Perfect. Yep. Uh, Hi, everyone. My name is Al Reardon. I'm an electronic singer, songwriter and producer that lives and studies and works in America, but I'm from Australia. Uh, I just released a self-produced and written album uh and yeah I'm and just it's kicking. really good <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome um, no seriously everybody listening to this please listen to Al- al's album it's called no uh and please. it's incredible um and al and i went to school together and so she's yes. a dear friend and i'm so happy to have you on <laughs> oh it's so nice to see you it's been I know. <laughs> It has been so long because you can't come back here. So (laughs) be good when those borders reopen. (laughs) Yes. And when flight prices go down, it'll be. Oh, let's. Yeah. Well, I would love to start off by if you could actually just talk to us a little bit about your latest album. No. Mm -hmm. um, What it's about and what it means to you. And then I'll ask some more specific questions. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, so No is an album that I started producing in early 2019 and writing. Um, it's a project that I'm really proud of because I did everything myself, which is almost 
uh, now that I look back on it was a bit too much, but um, I'm really proud of all the art and the music and everything. Um, it surrounds the subject of me being assaulted when I was over here studying in America. So it was a really uh, heartfelt, I kind of want to say, or just something that was really close to me and that I didn't really want other people to touch because I didn't think that they would understand. Um, and it actually ended up being a good thing because it forced me to go into a role where I made a whole album by myself from the very beginnings of the writing to the mixing and the producing and everything. So uh, it tells a story from the beginning to the end and it's a mix of like Bonnevere electronic weird sounds to like, I don't know, Missy Higgins or Casey Musgraves or something. So uh, it's something that I'm really proud of. And uh, yeah, I like it a lot. I listen to it quite I a bit love sometimes. I you listen to your own album. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, you put so many hours into it that it's like, I don't know. I like my own music. It's, it's nice. So I haven't listened to it in a while, but it was something that I really was proud of. So I would like chuck it on when I wanted to like, like feel good. Good, good for you. I have my own art on my wall. <laughs> Perfect. You should, because you spent so many hours on it, so it should be celebrated. Very true. Thank you. I mean, No is just so powerful to listen to. Um, I mean, I listened to your music anyway because, one, <laughs> primarily because your voice is just angelic, <laughs> but also you're my friend, and also your music is bomb now. Like it's so different to everything that we, we did in high school, right? Like that wasn't oh, even. Oh God. I don't even know what, how would you describe your sound? Electronic? Yeah, I think the, I go with electronic singer songwriter cause it's, I'm so passionate about songs themselves. Like the way that they're built and written and stuff. But I really, when I produce, I love 30 layers of vocals. Yeah. So it's more, it's not the traditional pop sounding or folk or whatever. So I think it's like an electronic kind of like song lover kind of genre. I don't yeah. really know. I'm no, trying to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, paving the way by just creating your own, creating space for your own sound. And I think that's awesome. And I actually didn't realize that you had done everything yourself. Like yeah. that's really cool. Did you do the Thank cover you. art for the album? Yeah, I did all the art. The only oh thing I didn't gosh. do was um, my boyfriend helped me out with the mixing. His name's Emerson Adams Jackson. And then I had my friend Alexander Wright master. So cool, cool which cool. is uh, kind of smoothing out the whole sound. But apart from that, yeah, I did the, the writing production, all the art, all the videos, all the the photos my boyfriend took and then I like edited and did a bunch <laughs> of stuff too. Did a bunch of animations too, which was really, really fun. But um, I took a lot of my energy. I found like when I was done with the music and was onto the um, promotion phase and I don't have like a manager or a team or anything. I did work with a publicist named Mavery and she was wonderful, but um, a lot of the material and writing and about the the content of it and asking people to listen to it that was all done by me and I found that really hard at times like begging people to care about my experience I'm looking forward to working with people in my next projects instead of doing it all myself but um, <laughs> I'm really glad I did it the way I did it I mean now I guess if you've produced a whole album on your own then you know that you can produce an album with other people it can only be easier surely <laughs> exactly yeah and that's I, true it's like now I know I can do it so I totally understand and I I love having creative I love having conversations with creative women because that just grinds my gear oh grinds my gears is a bad saying floats my boat floats my boat so much <laughs> grinds my gears is like that annoys me that's not what I meant <laughs> it no. really floats my boat it really um, <laughs> gets you going yeah because I, I think especially when it comes to creative business um because at the end of the day I guess I mean probably very similar for you correct me if I'm wrong though I do what I do because I love it and I want to do it but it is ideally supposed to also be my living eventually and so that gets um it gets difficult and I don't think people really tell you what it's like to be 
um, a really young woman, like kind of in business, which is weird to say, because I wouldn't call myself a businesswoman by any means. Um, but it's definitely just not something that um, we were brought up, I don't think, to believe we could do. Um, and so when I learn about people doing it, it's like so just just so empowering to know that it, it is actually possible. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I totally agree with everything you're saying. I admire you and your business so much. Well, thank you. I think <laughs> the thing that always um, stumps me is that it doesn't, the same thing you're saying, it doesn't feel like a business because it was never presented as like something that could be a skill for us, more so a hobby. And so, so like true. learning that you have to like, you know, <laughs> navigate asking, not asking people, saying that your work deserves like money or whatever, like, you know, payment for all the hours you put into it. It's just a really interesting experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think people often expect um, we'll just do everything for no compensation. Um, and <laughs> obviously, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for free. That's what I meant. Um, <laughs> and I will create art. To, it's hard to like, I want to create art that will um, empower other women. And so I don't want to charge other women. But also, if um, a company, wants to collaborate with me like I'm not doing that for free <laughs> that's my no. right <laughs> yeah um, so you have to it's hard to draw the line I find finding your limitations and you know at, at a certain point you've got to support yourself as a woman or a, a person uh that has faced a bunch of stuff to get where they are you know yes. to propel yourself forward um but yeah I agree I'm at that point where I'm like trying to figure out because I only just now in a couple of weeks get to start my year of work um, after graduating. So I have to figure out what I would charge, what I will do, what I want, want to do for people that I support for like free and things that I don't want to, I don't know, you know, it's hard. It's tricky. Yes, it is. No, I understand. <laughs> Did you write no for yourself? Or do you think you wrote no for others? I definitely wrote it for myself. I don't think there was really a part of me. It sounds selfish, but there wasn't really a part of me thinking about um, the impact it could have on others because it felt like too much pressure mm. to, and like, uh, it brings on a whole uh, feeling of guilt or conversation with yourself of like, assuming that I could empower all these people or what it was it was too much for me to frame it in that way of thinking um so it was very much for myself because I felt like I couldn't make any more music until I had done this like it felt wrong to me to write love songs about my boyfriend or pop songs with friends about shopping or whatever it is if I hadn't had been honest with myself and actually like written this stuff done it gotten it out so I don't have to feel this weight anymore like do it if that makes sense yeah that makes perfect sense <laughs> yeah. um and it wasn't until I oh man I started doing TikTok right this past year <laughs> and because it was very fun I love it because we're here <laughs> But I, I love it because I get to see so much art and so many small businesses doing their thing or musicians. Um, and I, the day before my album came out fully, I put a video on there and it got some attention. And then the album, because of that, got some attention. So it was like the universe gave me a bunch of really good energy and perfect timing. Um, uh where the album just like got a lot of listens and I was, unex it was unexpected. And I kind of had not really had very many listeners before that point. And so was only really expecting people I knew and people that knew what happened to me to be listening or like engaging with it and the content. Um, and when a bunch of people that I'd never met before and a lot of people who were so sweet in 
giving me their like love and also their own stories, kind of just small ones in their comments or just mentioning how important the content was. It was only then that I kind of realized like, oh shit, this could actually like have an impact on other people because the music's good. I put a lot of work into it and the story is so sensitive and true. Um, it hadn't really occurred to me that if, if people saw it or were forced to see it, that it would get, you know, interaction. Um, and with that came a bunch of guilt. I was like, did I force these people to like, did I trigger them? Are they having to live through my pain? Um, am I, I caught like, I just, I don't know. I couldn't deal with it for a while. Um, and so I honestly haven't really like done anything with my album since then, but it was so wonderful. And so like confronting at the same time to have this feeling of this music actually means something to more someone who isn't me. Like yeah. I knew that it would mean a lot to me and it was really hard to not expect other people to like really, really care. So then I would like tell myself, like, it doesn't matter if people don't listen or if they don't care, I just need to do this. And it was hard when, you know, the first few songs, there were like a lot of people that, that I lost in the year mm. of, after my sexual assault because you kind of change so quickly and you're on a different plane to everyone else and that impacts your friendships and relationships and things. And when I didn't see those people who, as much as I'm flourishing without them in my life anymore, when I didn't see them interact with the content, it was really hard. Yeah. So there was just a lot of different things with it about expecting outer interaction and care and like impact. Um, so I found it better when I just, was selfish, I guess, and focused on my own healing and my own expectations for myself with the album. It sounds like the at the end of the day as well, the album, yeah, was for you, well, definitely was for you, and therefore uh, might sound a bit harsh, but it's not your responsibility how other people react to it. <laughs> so I, was, I ended up talking to, you know, like, I obviously went through a lot of therapy after being assaulted. Um, and when the album came out, I reached out to that same therapist and was like, I need to talk. This is <laughs> a lot more attention than I thought it would. And I just like need to not feel like I'm taking the responsibility on of all of these thousands of people. And like, I want, I support every single one of them and love every single one of them but I was fearing that I was causing them pain constantly and all this, I don't know, there was just unexpected feelings that came with the joy of letting it out into the, like, oh man, I feel so much better now that it's done and yes. it's gone and it's like, and I'm so proud of it and I don't feel like I'm sitting in as much of the, you know, it, like I'm, I'm always going to be recovering, but there was a real, while making that album and like, expecting all of these things to come from it when I let it go it felt like I moved 10 steps forward or up the steps of recovery wow if that makes sense why do you think that releasing that album helped you recover so so dramatic like so dramatically like why do you think it do you think it was just getting the story out there or do you think it was like when you released the album you could release the story from yourself? It's a great question. Yeah, but you might not know the answer and that's okay. <laughs> it's really hard, yeah. <laughs> I think it's something to do with all of it. I don't know. I think, I think it's really hard living in a society where people don't talk about being raped and assaulted. Yeah, people don't talk about people don't talk about what happens to them and why that's so interesting to me anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is because I literally had a conversation with a friend last night where um, I was talking about, we were talking about 
the last time we went to like a club, which is hilarious because anyone who knows me knows that I don't really go to the club, but I did go to the club <laughs> in, um, oh, what it must have been January of 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a really close encounter with some really horrible people um, on the mm-hmm. way out. And luckily I was totally fine, um, but it was very clearly like it was just one of those situations where you've got to run away. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was really dangerous and I was telling my friend that and she said oh yeah like the same thing happened to me in February and we were having a conversation then about how everybody um, people don't talk about this but I bet that if we did talk about it it would be much clearer how much um sexual violence occurs to varying degrees to the degree that it occurred to me it was very minor which was wonderful but I don't think that um I don't know if it can ever be regarded as minor or mild because sexual violence is sexual violence like at the end of the day um like that sounds terrible I'm so sorry that happened to you oh thank you (laughs) that anyone has to ever go through um no and it's it just angers me more than anything yeah yeah it shouldn't be it makes me mad too I know yes I know that's my your album though I love it makes me mad (laughs) I know (laughs) I know me too the the song that makes me the most mad is black hole because it's it's just it's speaking um and you can just hear I you can just I want everyone to listen to it actually, so I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna talk it up too much because I want you all to go and listen to it. Thank you. Yeah, that one was a tough one. That I'll talk about that track later, but um, it's a beautiful track as well, though I must say, like I you. usually wouldn't listen to a speaking track, but I will listen to that one just in my regular playlist. Um, and yeah. I love about your album. I love that it like you listen to every song. Oh, there's definitely a musical term for this. Each song <laughs> transitions into the next song. Yeah. You said it perfectly. That's <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs> good that's what yeah I love that's that great I, I spent a lot of time on that I wanted it to be a it's kind of what Bonnevere does where the tracks aren't necessarily separated and they kind of blend not all of them but some of them blend, blend. yes they blend yeah <laughs> um I just wanted to talk about people not talking about sexual assault and sexual violence um number one it's hard to talk about from the perspective of being assaulted because it hurts to, to talk about and it's no one's business to really hear and, and it's not on us to educate other people on what sexual violence is or how, how to respond when someone tells you. Um, and number two, because no one talks about it, no one knows how to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, and from my perspective and from a lot of the conversations I had, I ended up being really, really hurt when I decided to talk and open up and ended up being put into the position of an educator or um, into the position of me saying over and over again, oh, I'm fine because I'm a superhero and amazing and I can handle it when in fact I was not. And then that gave the wrong impression to that person or those people and they felt that they could treat me in a certain way when in fact I was having to do, like, it's it's such a weird um situation to be in that you'll never understand until it happens to you but when you are having to for in my case I had to see my assaulter around my campus Um, they weren't allowed to contact me but I had to see them for three months and still go to classes and that's a really interesting position to be in because when you see someone's face that's hurt you in that way and then you have to go and sit and learn and not cry and throw up it's hard and you end up disassociating and I had interviews and investigations where I was asked over and over and over again for the same details and I was read his perspective and had to comment on his details and then I had to keep going to hospitals to get shots to make sure I didn't have diseases and had to go to therapy, had to explain to all my friends, had no family near me, and all of these things are happening. And so when you try and reach out to someone, a lot of the time you end up being hurt by how they talk to you. Yeah. 
like you kind of sense yeah it's kind of you needed um I I totally understand that you need their reaction to either be a certain way or you just need it to not be a certain way like there's a way that you need people not to react and sometimes they react exactly like that that way yeah (laughs) and it's it's hard because you can't just be like well it should be it should like it's it's to solve the issue people need to talk about it so that more people get um exposed to it and then know how to respond but then asking the victim or the survivor to explain and like you know is something you can't do because that's so hurtful to their progress and it's not it's not something you can ask of someone you know so I don't know the the most hurt I was like obviously the situation was hard and will always be hard but for me I was taking proper steps when it came to that what happened to me to like heal and that I felt like my experience recovering from that was really quite positive but my experience interacting with people who were supposed to love me and trying to get them to understand was really really negative I was going to say that everything that you just said that entire that entire monologue that I just uh, put you through, thank you for saying all of that, Mm -hmm. that was, I could not have said that better myself. The, it's so hard because I want everybody to talk about sexual violence, gendered violence, um, things like abortion, everything that happens to a lot of people that we don't speak about. I want people to talk about it, but it's not, it's not the, like at the end of the day, more than anything, it's not the survivor's responsibility to talk about that at all. And to educate people. Yeah. Really. It's not, yeah. The, you know, and it, it sucks. Like it, that's, yeah, it was the worst thing and it still is the worst thing. It's just the worst thing to personally feel like all the time, like I, I have to give people passes for, how they respond or treat me I don't I don't know how to say what I'm saying but it just like I constantly felt like I had to put on this face of being like fixed you know to show that I'm doing the work because I did it all myself again like I had a lot of people that I wanted to depend on that really 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 let me down And every time they did, I went further and further into myself. And maybe I think a lot of it, I I do have a lot of, there were a lot of things that I was doing that was encouraging that and allowing for that to happen because I would do all my interviews myself, go to the hospital myself, Mm -hmm. like, like go to court myself. Um, And because I did all of that, I would, I would cry by myself. I would whatever, except for my mom. I would call my mom all the time. But when I did ask for things or did let people in, they didn't know all of that. They only knew the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. So they treated it like it was just the tip of the iceberg. And there was this shit ton of ice below and pain. And so when they would respond or make decisions or actions based upon what they thought they knew and they thought it was the whole situation it like wrecked me and I always felt this tremendous responsibility to like only put so much on them so I didn't affect their lives or cause them pain or you know it was uh, and then I felt tremendous guilt when they would treat me in a bad way and then I would um or they were I don't know treat me in a bad way and I would respond by being hurt and then they were hurt and then yeah it would be my fault but it was not my fault like there were just so many situations it's, it's impossible to describe until you have to be friends with someone that's in this situation and man people really don't know how to it's just terrible it's 
the work, but but I came across some of the best people too. That <laughs> that's cool. Were, you know, like mm. I just it took me further to find them, but people that would listen and not try and take it, take whatever I would say and like up me, mm. or mm. that would so not bad. feel uncomfortable. <laughs> being like I know, or like you know, people that would be comfortable being like, hey. I have had something of a similar nature happen to me. I'd really like to talk to you about it. Is it going to hurt you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, because you want me. And of course, like I would love to give anything I can, but there are a lot of times where that wasn't the case. I I understand. And I think that anyone who has been assaulted or anyone who's say best friend or close friend has been assaulted, like, how you're saying, oh, I don't know how to word this, they'll know exactly what you mean. We all know exactly what you mean. It, uh, people who haven't had that happen, though, um, that's um, – it probably is actually really confusing to hear what we're talking about. They'll probably be like, what? <laughs> what's yeah. all this cryptic language? It's easy. But if you yeah. experience it, you, you know exactly what you're talking about. I think the portrayal of sexual violence and assault in, like, film and books and media is what perpetuates this idea that everyone knows without anyone talking about it. Mm-hmm. And like, I think all of those portrayals can't be farther than the, tr- like further than the truth. And I found them so offensive and triggering every time. Like I can't watch anything but kids movies anymore, wow. you know, because it's like, so it shows where it's like a real depiction and it's not like, to dramatize it or romanticize the idea of it, I can handle, like I can handle the mention of trigger words and situations, but I can't handle like directors or, or writers that have never been through this that are putting in a scene. You, you can tell because the scene is like so flowery and like something that, I don't know. Like I'd say fabricated, yeah. Fabricated <laughs> and like... Yeah. For the purpose of, like, I don't know. Like, it's so weird to describe, but it's not genuine. And then there's other shows that I can watch where I'm like, okay, this is to, like, it's to educate, it's to to expose people. I mean, I always say, for example, um, you can fight me on this. I will die on a hill for this cause. Rape jokes are not funny. No. They're not funny. And no. the way that people put... Um, can't judge too hard. I can't direct a film, but you can totally tell you're right when somebody um, has put a scene into a film or a show where they don't actually know what that experience is like. And it's very, I wouldn't even, the word that I was going to use is dramatised, but I, I don't think that's quite correct um, because it's not that the actual event happening is not dramatic. <laughs> it's just that the way they do no, it. Flannery was a good word, yeah. It's, yeah, no, what do you say? I, I, I think the word romanticised because it's... Romanticised, yes, yes. It's not like, yeah, I don't know. They. It's not that they make it like a wonderful thing. That's not it at all. It's that the purpose of it is to like... I don't make a character seem a certain like it's I don't know it pisses me off and <laughs> it's and it's triggering and it's more triggering to see it and watch it when it feels like it's from I don't, I don't want to like gender blame but when it or or you know whatever but when it feels like it's from someone who is white and male and has a lot of money and is just putting it in to like, oh, we'll do that for that girl because then that'll make blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. and it's like yeah. that's what my brain goes to, which is not necessarily always the case and, mm-hmm. and is something that I should really work on not feeling, but I also in the moment can't help that. Um, no. No. But a lot of the time that is what it is mm-hmm. and that's – it's just not okay. Like, I don't know why people get passes for that sort of stuff. I agree. And I'm so glad you brought this up because I really wanted to talk to you about the portrayal of it in the media, considering that you are in 
media, but you're in music media. Yeah, like. <laughs> well, and and that was my fear of what people would see my album as as like this romanticization. I don't know how you say that word. As yeah. me romanticizing the idea of sexual assault and rape and violence, and um, I know that that's not what it could come across as because that's not what it is and every part of it is genuine and has a lot of truth and time and intention to it um and I think that can be heard and that's what my response was from the people that I didn't know hearing it which was really really nice mm-hmm. um but yeah that was a big fear of mine of coming across in that way but I think when you put intention and it is your experience and it's genuine. I don't know how to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, your album, every song sounds very, very genuine. And I think the one that, I don't know, actually, maybe even just the ones that are really, sh- what would you call short? Yeah, a short track. Yeah. Like, like, no, the track, no. Yeah. Um, it feels nothing but genuine because mm. it is just the same words over and over again and at least for me I'm not sure if this was your intention but for me that depicted or that felt like for me what happens in my head when something horrible that's not my fault has happened to me you just repeat the same sentences in your head over and over and over again Um, and I think that's what makes oh that's definitely what makes um, violence against people so unfair is that there was nothing that that we there's nothing that we do to deserve that happening to us and it's not fair to have somebody put an experience onto you force you to have an experience yeah um and I suppose that I'm sure in 20 years Mm -hmm. all of the hard experiences that everyone goes through it's like oh I can see why that happened now and now Mm -hmm. I'm like I'm glad that I've grown from that but that doesn't make the um, experience one bit easier. No, <laughs> or it gives. It doesn't give the the perpetrator. It doesn't give them like I don't know how to say this, but it doesn't give them an excuse just because no. in twenty years we'll be a better person. Like no I, I'm a better person now than I was before, <laughs> but that does not mean that it was okay you know yeah a hundred percent and it's so awful of the onus is put on you not to be assaulted but it's not up to me it's not up to me whether I am assaulted or not if it was I would never be that's what that's the truth exactly (laughs) yes it's it's never it's never a choice that's the whole point ever ever I really hope that I'm pretty sure everyone watching this will will already think that but if anyone is listening to this and thinking that it is, is ever a choice that just just know that please know it's not it never is yeah never <laughs> absolutely it's interesting I went to um a Buddhist uh kind of like meeting because my <laughs> family cool his brother <laughs> they're practicing Buddhists and it's so lovely what? it's such a different experience too yeah different experience to the Catholic church I was in and left growing up, but um, it was so great. It was like this meeting where everyone, they read some article or something and then they all talked about their own experience with, I think it was like searching for true happiness, not just like goal setting happiness, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, But a woman talked about how there was this, terrible person at work that was treating them terribly for ages and la 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 and now it's all working out where people are realizing that she did a bunch of terrible stuff this other person did a bunch of terrible stuff this woman was you know doing the right thing and good and it it was benefiting her now because of all the patients she showed back then and she was saying I the practice of Buddhism in their practice is that you you sit and you chant morning and night with the oh goodness I'm going to butcher it but the soccer 
I can't remember the words, but in front of us, in front of us, scroll. I did it with them quite a few times, and it was it was beautiful. I'm not obviously to the point yet where I'm practicing all the time, but yeah. um, she said that she would sit and chant and pray for this other woman's happiness, this woman who had done her wrong, and it wasn't because she thought that that other person was a wonderful human or that she wasn't mad at them, but she felt she was stopping her own growth and her own journey to happiness by allowing herself to continue being mad and all those things. And so by asking for this other person's happiness or praying for this other person's happiness, it means that they will no longer treat people the way they treated her. They will realize their mistakes. They will have growth and I won't have to like feel rooted in this other person's treatment of her, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. Yeah. And that's so far out. That's brave of that woman. Oh, yeah. um, I, I haven't even contemplated doing anything no. like that. <laughs> I'm not ready. I've come to that realization at the moment. It may change but that yeah. I'm, I don't want to forgive a bunch of people, not even just this one person, but um, all the people that hurt me and that like, I don't have to because yeah. I have other people and I don't wish them any hate or ill will, but I don't want to invite it back into my life. Yeah, I just want to, you know, keep, keep separated and in my little lane and in my little river swimming, swimming with the stream and not trying to like pick up all the dirty rocks on the side and like clean them up so that I, my river's complete. Like, I don't know, whatever. Wow, that is a good but. analogy. <laughs> That's a great analogy. I might use that. And, yeah, um, go for it. No, thank you. It's not, Um, it's a very, I'm not a therapist, but that sounds mm. really fucking healthy. <laughs> that sounds really so. And I think you just, whenever you're ready for whatever is the point, you know? It's, yeah. There's no set rule book for anyone for how to get over this. Yeah. And you could take the millions and billions of victims and send, stand them all next to each other. And you couldn't tell one of them that they've done anything wrong in recovering or... No. Um, with their decisions after being assaulted, you know, or, or hurt or harassed. I mean, it, um, only go into as much detail as you would like to, but mm -hmm. I think the massive, 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 no secret problem with the system is that it's, um, on the victim or survivor to, to prove what happened to them. Yeah. Um, and I am just of the impression that we should believe people if they say something like that happens to them unless there are some seriously extenuating circumstances which are statistically so very rare that yeah. they honestly don't even cross my mind if someone tells me that that they resulted I literally believe them straight away and I just it just angers me so much that the system is is the way that it is um did you find there was anything um in the U.S. system in particular that was um, that struck you as as different or do you think it's might be the same like do you have any idea is it the same in Australia and America is it completely I think, different I mean I wouldn't I, expect you to know but I don't really know yeah. I kind of expect them to be pretty similar because okay. um, Australia and America are pretty similar yeah. I expect <laughs> it to be just as difficult um, in both places I think there are definitely probably worse places to be um, where there would be even less belief of your experience or care, rather. Um, so in a way, I feel lucky, and I feel lucky for my privilege in the fact that I could... I felt so confident in doing something about it from the get-go. Yeah. Um, and I recognise that that not is, that's proportionally partially my character but is majorly and predominantly because I came from a beautiful loving trusting family 
that always had food and always had a roof and always believed me and had trust in me and taught me what my worth was and always supported me. So, and I had friends like that and I had, you know, I grew up believing that I deserved a certain amount and that I wouldn't stand for a certain amount of things or I just wouldn't stand for violence against me or, you know, Mm -hmm. and I never really doubted that what happened to me happened, Um, which is great. That's fucking Uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Awesome is a negative and positive word, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. But it took, because of that, it took a lot of shit from me to do a lot. Um, The system... It's hard because where I was in Boston, there was some incredible resources um, that they provided for me, but that I never would have gotten if I never went to the hospital, which is things, something that people don't know. Like you have 72 hours to get to the hospital for them to give you a thing called a rape kit where they you know, look for evidence all over you. They take care of you. They write down everything you say. They look at everywhere that you said something's happened and they put it in a box. They seal it for 15 years. If you start an investigation through a court system, they take that out and use it as evidence. Um, And it was covered by the state um, of Massachusetts, which is great. And they also gave me... It should be, but I know that it's not mm. like that everywhere. But that was great for me because that was a grand and a half wow. that I would have had to pay. Yeah. So, um, and then they give you the name of lawyers, of counselors, of support groups, all that sort of stuff, which is they give you like 30 pamphlets, <laughs> <laughs> which I think I still have because um, hard to let go of. But, um, of the same token, I didn't feel like I could actually go to the police. I never did until nine months later, which is fine. You can still go to the police for 15 years. But um, like, why didn't I? And then when I did, I went through a whole second investigation because the predominant investigation I went through was through my school. Okay. um, Where I did bunches of interviews and I was trying to get this person expelled and it it happened because, you know, that's the repercussions for doing something like this. But um, I went to the police, I went to get a restraining order in the courts, Mm -hmm. which was terrifying and sucked and was maybe one of the worst things I've ever had to do, but I was granted one. But even then you could tell it was on the victim I had to go there and speak for myself yeah. and get all these things. And I was crying in front of a judge and sweating. And I was there alone because someone was supposed to come with me and then they bailed. And then I walked right over to the police and I told them what happened. And then it took them six months to get me in the room with the DA's office. I had investigations with the police where they asked me a bunch of stuff as this man that was like stumbling over his words because he didn't know what to ask. And, you know, I felt bad for having to tell him what happened. And it's like super weird. (laughs) And it's like, I shouldn't have to feel that. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people have a lot of care when they're talking to you, but you still have to talk about it and they have to ask you questions that make it seem like they think that you're lying or whatever. And then I went to the DA's office to decide if I wanted to, I had another interview with them. The state would have taken on my case, but um, it could have taken five or seven years. They were like, look, this is the truth of it. It's you're going to have your whole life exposed in a courtroom. You're going to be asked so much stuff. Your All your medical records will be out there. All of your counseling will be out there. It'll be five years of your life and you're on a visa you might have to go back to Australia and then whenever it could happen you could come back here and then you'll have to do it then and 
I was lucky enough to be safe. Yeah. And I felt like that would take away from my life. And so I decided not to do it, which doesn't mean that I don't think that maybe I should have gotten the, the thing at the end of court, but uh, the system is you have to go through shit to get any sort of, you know, like recognition even. Well, or recognition justice. or just even yeah. safety, justice, anything. Like I, what, what, five years and people asking me li- things about my life in three separate different court things. Like it's not something that you want to do. So of course it's on the victim. Um, uh, and they cross-reference you in court as well. Like I've sat in court exactly. just watching, luckily. Not to bash <laughs> defence lawyers, but there is a serious systematic um, practice of cross-referencing people who are brave enough to go to court. It is brave to go to court. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would also say it's really brave to not go to court too if you just like can't do it. Just, yeah. And so there's so much like, oh, why... You know, like you said, why didn't I go to the police? It took you nine months. That's such an interesting Mm -hmm. point because so what happened to me, I would consider it... Genuinely, I would consider it a lot less traumatic than what happened to you. I think that's just a fact, or at least for me, that's that's a fact. Mm-hmm. I've been through worse things in my life than what happened to me last January, even though that mm-hmm. was really fucked up. Um, that still took me, I think that took me about a week to go to the police. Mm-hmm. And my boyfriend ended up con- not convincing me, but being like, I think you should go to the police because something probably needs to be done about like um, the people who were standing in that alleyway waiting for a poor victim to walk past. And mm-hmm. I ended up doing that because I decided that it would be, um, I, I couldn't I couldn't deal if I hadn't reported something and those people ended up doing something mm-hmm. that could have possibly been prevented. It's not on me to do that, but I, I decided that I had to go and talk to them about it. So if we're talking about the variations, then the variation of assault, the you had to endure I am not even surprised it took you nine months to go to the police like well far out (laughs) it's just hard to decide on and confront whether you're ready for it and then it ends up being not fruitless because it's in the system so uh if it were to if I had ever seen any retaliation from my perpetrator then it would be there and yeah. you know but um yeah it is hard yeah and it's definitely in the media the tv shows are like go to the police and then you'll be fine and it's like and oh that's my not god it. that's not true that's... it doesn't solve anything it yeah. doesn't solve anything at all this conversation i just think is is so 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 important and thank you for sharing everything that you have so far and thank you for listening to me share just a just something that I decided to bring up, which I didn't plan to talk about before. But don't we all have mental breakdowns over the internet? That's the place that you have a mental breakdown nowadays. So thank thank you for, like, hearing me as well. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you. I would love to ask you a couple more questions that are probably shorter answers. If they're not, that's also okay. But is um, is there a song on the album that sticks out to you the most of of um, sharing your experience? Like, is there one to you that you're like, that really encompasses um, what I want people to take from hearing my story? I think the last one, which was an iPhone voice memo. Um, cool. I didn't want to... I recorded it the day that I wrote it, which was, I think, the day that I found out my perpetrator was expelled. Um, Wow. And it... Powerful day. Yeah, that's why I didn't want to re-record it. Yeah. Yeah, It sounded... It doesn't sound as good as the other tracks, but the song is really good. I I wrote it because I went to my counsellor and I said that I hated him for the first time, Uh, maybe one of the last times, but she then told me that it's okay 
and it's okay to hate him and it's okay to disassociate it's okay to you know cry it's okay to not cry all of these different things um and it was the first time I was like yeah you know like I am surviving I'm doing the best I can right now I've found out that I hate him and that's okay yeah and I wrote that song so I think that one's the most important um yeah yeah. that one's that one's beautiful as well and that one really um really spoke to me without me getting too mushy I don't want to cry on my own podcast but he really spoke to me (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) what does surviving mean to you well I have it tattooed on my body no way yeah I got tattooed on the year anniversary of my assault yeah um and I really like the word because I did survive and I rocked it and yeah it's definitely something that I don't think I anyone should ever expect anyone to survive you know I think uh, it's a weird thing to say but I think the way that I view it is that I would not hold any resentment towards someone who decided that they couldn't survive something like this because it is so hard and I think that they're you know anyone that has made that choice you know they're survivors too they just chose a different path but it's just you know I am awesome and yeah I don't have any resentment towards that term I love it that's uh, because it's true yeah so yeah (laughs) it is so true and I I just um the reason I just felt like I really wanted to, to speak with you is I mean I wanted to speak with you even if I wasn't recording something I'm so happy yeah. to have this conversation anyway um, I know. But, <laughs> but I really I just really admire your bravery in talking about it and writing about mm-hmm. it and if you had decided to never speak about it I also actually think that would be super brave too I just really, absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it, I think everyone is brave yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no right way to do it but thank you for saying that because uh, it does mean a lot <laughs> you're welcome that's good to hear <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the what I'm really happy that I'll be really happy if you have an answer to this it's how are you regaining your strength and your power or how have you regained it because I'm sure you've regained a lot already but you might be still on a journey (laughs) um I think I don't know I I don't think about it as much anymore recently I have been just because of a few events that have been putting me back there but um I have a partner that I love and that I know loves me and that helped me to see a bunch of stuff about like I was seeing a bunch of stuff myself but I was also really I was in it so yeah. 10 months after when I found this perfect person who listened and like who loved me properly if that yeah. makes sense who didn't like use anything against me or whatever he's amazing it helped me to be like oh yeah I don't deserve to be treated like that so I'm just gonna let go of all those things that are making me feel that way and that felt pretty powerful um what a man I think I've been yeah he's (laughs) can't wait for you to meet neither um (laughs) I I think I've been alone for quite a while because I don't have my family over here. Um, the pandemic obviously took a lot of things away. And I think I'm pretty good at that too. Like I, I, when I'm sad, I'll let myself feel it. And when I'm feeling motivated, I'll get up and make music and I'll eat good food. You've been in my head lately. I've been cooking oh. a lot of vegetarian food. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. trying to I mean down I down and, and love for the that. planet <laughs> love yeah that. so that's been good um so is it yeah is it I, a lot of the little things 
I think now it is. It used to be big things all the time. And it used to be little things all the time. It was like every day was conscious effort. And now it's um, conscious effort when I remember because I'm not really, (laughs) I'm not in the same place. I'm not surrounded by people that were there and that treated me badly surrounding it. I don't have to see that person. I it's a year and a half on for me which in terms of it isn't that long but I you know I'm in a new city I've got some really lovely people around me I've got some like I get to work now in a couple weeks so I get to do stuff that I've actually been like studying for so I don't really think about it all the time it doesn't feel like it's there you know obviously it's governing my actions because I'm a different human um but I think the way that I the space I gave myself in the very early day like this whole time has given me such power because I took the time to be like this is fucked in from the very beginning and I took myself places I needed to go. I made sure that I went to counseling. I made sure I told my mother the day after. I made sure I did all these things because they felt right. I wasn't like forcing myself to, but it set me up in a really good way to be able to go through a fuck ton of shit and then get to this point now where I feel like it's part of me, but I'm not really looking at it all the time because I'm looking at all this other stuff that genuinely is what I'm looking at not I'm not trying to not look at something else if that makes sense I love that and I love that it yeah it does make sense you don't have to force yourself to look away <laughs> it's just not what you're focused on right now yeah that sounds of things and I yeah. love so much that you that it doesn't you that it doesn't have to control your life at all times <laughs> and mm. and if it does then if anyone listening if it is controlling your life then that's also okay and it will yeah healing is so slow <laughs> um but healing is a journey yeah literally take forever yeah I think it is it's that river that you're talking about like yeah you're amazing in having something <laughs> well having an event happen is like a bunch of rocks coming up and you can't go anywhere and they're all dirty and muddy and so everything turns to shit yeah but healing is like taking them off one at a time and then slowly your stream yeah will happen again and it'll clear out but you'll always have little rocks that will remind you and make you you know it's just going to be there forever it's just going to be more gradual which is nice that is beautiful well Unless there's anything else you'd like to add, which please go ahead if there is. I only have one more question for you. And it's actually a little bit unrelated, but I think you'll still come up with an answer. Perfect. (laughs) The answer, the question that I ask everyone is, what is one thing that you wish when you were growing up you had known about your body that you know now? Known about my body? Yeah. Like anything with regard to your body doesn't have to be like medical. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, no, no. It's a great question. Uh, Plenty. Skincare when I was growing up. That's one thing, but it's not very important. I also wish I knew. It is important. (laughs) It is important, but not the one I want to say. I wish I knew the effects of caffeine because I have um, with my breasts, I have like these little fibrostic fibrostic I don't know the name but little bumps that get um yeah I found out only in October um and caffeine makes them like they hurt sometimes and I couldn't figure out why it comes from like more exercise and um caffeine so I've been cutting off decaf and making sure that if they start hurting that I'll wear like bras to bed and stuff and it kicks it in the butt yeah they're not they're not um bad but if you i i guess if they get really bad it it makes your chances of cancer worse so i don't know that i wish i'd known that and also that uh 
not all health things are bad. Your body can get over stuff. Yeah. I don't need to take ibuprofen the minute or whatever. Or if I have some something wrong with my health, there are steps to take. Damn, that's a good one, actually. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry to hear about the, I don't know what you'd call them, fibrosis. But, but, I think fi- they're called fibrosis. Like in, in the uterus, they're called a fibroid. So like it might be called yeah. a fibroid. Yeah. Um, it's something, she wrote it down on a piece of paper somewhere. I yeah. can look it up. I have one of them in my uterus and it oh, does not wow. cause me any trouble at the moment though because it's so small so that's good but that's good you can yeah. in your uterus they can grow to be the size of a full-term pregnancy so <laughs> it can yeah. get really so watching out <laughs> yeah so make sure if you're like I can't possibly be pregnant but you look pregnant go get it checked out <laughs> that could be why <laughs> thank you thank you for talking you're welcome. thank you for having me you're everything thank you for talking about everything and I really just even though again this isn't for other people this is for you I really hope that a few people listening to this will take um will take pride and and the generosity that you've offered and and be helped to be healed just by listening to this conversation Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> um, I love you and I'll leave everything um, in the show notes with regard to um, where everyone can find you and where everyone could listen to your music Perfect. and pre-save oh, your song. Thank you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Okay, guys, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the About Your Body podcast. I so enjoyed talking to Al. I think she is an incredibly inspiring woman. And I will, of course, leave links to her social media and also her album on Spotify in the show notes so that you can check it out. She has taught me a lot over the years, but particularly in this conversation, has taught me so much about healing, strengthening yourself and mainly that you don't have to be anybody else other than who you are. Uh, I really hope that this conversation was okay for you guys. I hope that it was empowering um, and not too triggering, though I know it was, of course, going to be triggering for some, including myself. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Al's story. She really deserves it. I'll see you guys uh, on the next episode, which will be airing in two weeks. Bye.